wondering how to summarise everything that's happened, welcome to Hand of the Pod. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 318 of Hand of Pod. If it sounds like we're coming to you from the bottom of a well this week, it's because I've turned the volume all the way down on the microphone. Um, Because we're recording in English Dan's living room and one of his neighbours has decided that it's time to practice playing the saxophone. So He's fantastic. He's sort of the Argentine equivalent of uh, Coltrane. I'd call him derailed train, train wreck. Yes, judging from... What we've just heard, I think those nicknames would be more accurate than, um, yeah. I'm Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined by English Dan. Hello and welcome. Andres. Hello, welcome. And Tony. Hello, everyone. Who has been to uh, England and back. Yep. Uh, just back this Sunday. I, sh- I was able to catch a little bit of the game, but yep. Just joined towards India. Welcome back. Um, we have quite a bit to talk about this week, so let's get on with it. The first thing to talk about, I think we have to... Uh, it's the Copa Libertadores final Um, this is not going to be a discussion about the wrongs and wrongs of playing the final in another continent if you want that then you'll have to listen to last week's episode I don't want it to get too repetitive everybody is already aware of what I think about it I'm pretty sure everybody is anyway Um, so I don't want to uh, be all negative and moany we shall try instead to talk about the football and the fact that River Plate Um, have been crowned champions of South America in Europe. A title that they're going to hold for at least the next two months, right? Because the Court of Arbitration for Sport are going to take about that long to make a decision. Yeah, I don't think there's any danger. I can't see there being any danger of that being being overturned. Um, We're going to work on the assumption that uh, Bocca's appeal to the Court of Arbitration for Sport to be awarded the title is not going to be awarded. Um, You never know. It might happen. Um, We have to recognise that it's a possibility. But uh, let's talk about what was on the pitch. Fortunately, given the whole mess with the security and and the enormous controversy over moving it to another continent and everything, at the end of it all, um, it actually turned out to be a fairly good game. It was exciting, definitely. Maybe um... the first 30 minutes or so accepted. but Yeah, it was a very interesting game. I was also... Away for the well, I know Tony just got back just in time. I had no such luck, but I was in South America, unlike the Copa. I was in Brazil. Um, I watched a game with with my dad, who doesn't watch much Argentine football. I believe the last game he watched was uh, Vélez Gimnasia game. I dragged him along to at the start of two thousand and ten. So he's he's a a sporadic watcher of. Um, Argentine football, I think it's fair to say. And he was entertained. He said it was good to see a nice, uh, nice bit of physical football because he uh, he's of the the football the football school that points out every time a player goes down fairly easily under contact. So he was happy to see guys actually go down because they got kicked very hard in the leg. 
which is a nice uh, change of pace for a, a European football watcher. The game itself, I think, uh, River struggled the first half. Um, uh, Boca had kind of learned from, from what went wrong in these two or three Superclasico uh, failures in 2018, kind of leaving too much space open for uh, River to hit on, hit on the break. They were very organised, very, very kind of narrowly uh, set up and just kind of let River have the ball, force them to do something with it, which for the first half they couldn't. And uh, despite not really seeing any possession in the first half, all the best chances fell to Boca, which included a really good goal, I must admit, um, which came from all things... Uh, Cutting Riquelme-esque frugal from Naidan Nandes, mm. who is a great player, but a threader of intricate passes, he is not. I think we're all a little bit surprised by that. And a fantastic finish as well by uh, Dario Benedetto, who looked, for a little while anyway, to be to be ready to be crowned. Kind of the hero of, of this Boca campaign after you know what he did in the semi-finals. He also scored in the final first leg. Um, you know, after that horrible injury. Uh, alas, for Boca fans, and Benedetto fate had another ideas. It did, yeah, because uh, somebody else who scored in the first leg at the final um, popped up, Lucas Prato. In the second um, half, right? Equalised in the second yeah. half. About after Benedetto had been taken off in what was a really curious decision, I'll say. Yeah. Well, he looked like he was feeling his leg a little bit. Yeah. They showed a replay afterwards from one of the, you know, one of these exclusive angles from one of the mm. broadcasts. I can't remember who it was, but probably Fox. But um, And it, it looked like he was in a little bit of pain, but he mm. didn't mention it after the match, so mm. who knows. I think if Boca was still drawing, he would have stayed on. It was kind of a, mm. a ploy to hold up the ball more, get River angry, draw fouls on Avila and just really slow the game down, which didn't really pay off. But, yeah, and it, uh, carry on. I mean, so. if that is what it was, then it looked, to me, it, it looked like a risky call at that stage of the game, given that after the, the break, River came out much more strongly um, than they had in the first half. Um, um, by the time Prato got the equaliser, I thought River deserved to be back in the game. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then, of course, it went to extra time. And, I mean... Most listeners will be aware of what happened, of course. Um, and uh, Wilmar Barrios got himself sent off. What do we think of the sending off? It was polemic. What was it for? It was, it was no, a second it, yellow card. Yeah, it was a bit unclear fairly... whether it was for a late tackle or whether it was for a, what looked like a fairly accidental stamp. I think, yeah, he went in a little bit late and heavy on the foot. Like. So it was a sort of combination of the two things, you reckon? Yeah, it, yeah you could say it could be harsh as a... Second yellow, like it's kind of the one of those which would always be given as a first yellow, but mm. maybe you get the benefit of the doubt, like a last warning if it, if it was a second offence. Even if, when the, the extra time was just starting, you know, because oh, like yeah. five minutes into the, the extra time, so it was a silly thing to do in any case. Yeah. I think it's that kind of place in which you say if you go and fight for the ball with that strength, it's possible for the referee to award a. a, a a yellow card. The mm. fact that he was has, had already been uh, booked, and it's not sure that no, it was not a yellow card. And the, in the other hand, it was. I, I'm not sure also that uh, uh, either 
to be a yellow card or to deserve a yellow card or not to deserve. It is sure, yeah. very, very... Yeah, it wasn't a scandalous decision yes. and also if the referee had decided to keep his card in his pocket, that wouldn't have been scandalous either. Yeah, exactly. I think that's about right. Yeah, but in the end, I think it was Barrio's fault because if you're already... There was already, no reason. It was like, no yeah, danger. Yeah, yeah it's in, in the, in the it was in, in, in half the pitch and you were already booked and you, you should be more clear in your head to know, well, if I do something stupid, I will... You know, leave my yes. my teammates with one one less player, and actually that was kind of pivotal in the game because Rivers started to to find more space, especially in the midfield, to to create more danger to to Andrada's um, uh, goalkeeper. So, in in part because I mean, for all of the sort of numerical superiority, eventually allowing River to to make their. Uh, as I said, I think they were really on top after the second half. Um, but, it, you know, they eventually managed to make that tell when, when they were a man up. Um, it, it was also another example, just looking over my shoulder towards Dan's television to see whether it's still up there, and it is, um, of Mr. Barros Echelotto once again perhaps failing to read a game properly because mm. one noticeable thing... Um, was that there was only one midfielder on the Boca bench at the start of the game. That was Fernando Gago. Um, and he, I think at that point, he'd already been sent on, which meant that when Barrios got sent off... Yeah, Gago came at really the way end of... Towards the end of the night. Right? Yeah. And, and so Boca didn't really have a way of rejigging the, uh, the team to maintain that sort of midfield line of however many midfielders there were supposed to be, three, you know, mm-hmm. or, or five yeah. or whatever. Well, you had Perez, Landis um, and, and Barrios, three guys who were destroyers, you know, like, yeah, precisely. primary function is to break up attacks and... But I mean, even, even for example, Edwin Cardona, who is a little bit more of a midfielder than any of the other people who were on the bench mm-hmm. at that point for Boca, wasn't on the bench. Yeah. Um, and Barros Echelotto ended up being found out. I mean, the, the Fernando Gago, we should, we should mention as well, Boca obviously finished with nine men. Uh, because after they've made their fourth substitution, um, Gago got injured. It's um, another break. It's very easy if you're an Argentine fan and you don't have much of a sense of empathy to laugh at this because it's Fernando Gago getting injured. I mean, who could possibly have predicted? This was it? actually his other Achilles, right? The one is that but, had never yeah, had been ruptured. Exactly. Yeah, he, his horrible, previous horrible ones were on the, in the right, and this one was in the left or yeah. the other way around. But um, but it's really bad luck. I mean, it oh, feels awful for him. Yeah. I, I think it's not that it, it of course uh, we we my my thought my my thing is a mis- it was a mistake from Barros Barros not to have any other midfielders in the bench apart from Gal who is who was not fit or mm. not at his one hundred percent fit and he that he that his his way of playing because uh, not to have not to have the ball or to have uh, this for example Hernandez long pass or. Uh, to have direct balls to the strikers, Benedetto or Avila, who wasn't also also wasn't fit, uh, and it, this was not said until the match was played. Hmm. Um, because Almendra is another one who apparently Avila had had uh, pulled a muscle or, or even torn a muscle playing a playing a kick around game with his mates in their lead up to the final. Really, that's what came out after the <laughs> after the final whistle. Yeah. But Cardona okay, or, or Almendra. <laughs> Cardona or Almendra Almendra was uh, apparently go- uh, was going to be in the starting lineup if the match was uh, uh, had played had been played in the uh, in the monumental and from mm. that now uh, he wasn't even included in the in the, in the bench 
Zanate as well, a guy who yes. was supposed to yeah, deliver the cop back. Yeah, I, I and I don't think he ever did anything think, bad yeah. at Pogba, right? There are a few times I saw him, he was like, he was good, he was really good. Yeah. They gave me just one day to another, he disappeared from the team. Mm. I don't think he played a single minute and yeah. over the two legs, right? I think it's just a case that Boca have so many players and a coach who doesn't know how to handle that, that, That's my point because I think that Barros Esqueloto summarized a lot of the usual mistakes he, he used to get away with, mm. with getting the results because we start with starting with what we were saying before about Benedetto he made an impact when, when he came on in the first leg yes. so why don't you Reserve Benedetto for the last minutes, knowing that it's probably the most dangerous guy you have, and maybe that you probably, in some way, that you will um, play uh, an extra time on penalties. So well, the, psychologically, yeah. I, I think it will be more more harmful to River mm-hmm. to to start with Avila and then play Benedetto. I mean, it, it's a mismanage, and also you you should have, or you sh- you should think to to use um, more tactical aware. Players that can, for example, you, you you should have wingers that can go back and try to play midfield when it comes to yeah. to the to, to the need that when you lost two midfielders, one to a red card, one to 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 an injury, and not feel break and just feel lost between defense and attack. Mm. That I think that that's when you try to to create a squad at the beginning of yeah. of the. Of the season and try to, to to think. Okay, this is a winger, but when come needs come, you you, you can like Peter Martinez, for example. Mm-hmm. Peter Martinez, if you want to play more centrally and a little bit more, um, not so forward, he can do it. I mean, it's not his ideal way to play, mm-hmm. but he can do it. But Boca doesn't have a play like a play mm-hmm. like that. Well, the best example of this, of course, if we're comparing kind of tactics and timing, is. Um is on the riverside with Quintero, Juan Quintero, yeah, of course. who, like Benedetto, has had a big impact in yeah. in quite a few games coming off the bench uh, against Independiente, of course, in the quarterfinal we scored, and, uh, and Gacharro knows this, and that's why he was a guy who came off the bench and again turned the game around. Like, mm. Yeah, I think the, uh, the lack of goal, yes, He scored the all-important second again, as he did against Independiente, and yeah. he's a guy, you know, who's... Fantastically talented. We've talked about him a lot this year because it has been a very good year. But he's also very, very irritating to watch sometimes because <laughs> he just goes floating off to catch butterflies when he when he feels as, like it. As in fact he did in the whichever leg it was that he didn't score in against Independiente in the quarters. Indeed, so yeah. I think it was the first leg. He was actually quite disappointing, mm-hmm. and I say this is obviously probably his biggest fan on the podcast. And I think in the um, first leg against Boca as well, he came on and didn't really do much, possibly. Yes. Or, yeah. Quite possibly. yeah, but, but I think it's that lack, like that the lack of versatility so. of, the, of the players, Boca players, yeah, in, very in the round, being yeah. the... Yeah. It has already been said that the, the tactical uh, matter is something that Gachardo has much better uh, expertise compared to, to, to Guillermo. Mm. And... I think that when River uh, got the equalizer, we all knew that uh, this what happened should should happen or could happen. And um, um, what was was I going to say that, that, that the equalizer, just the equalizer, was a, a goal that River is not uh, uh, is used to, or at least they know how to do it because uh, if you watch the the equalizer, no, the equalizer, no, the first goal against Racing, it was quite similar. Mm. With Prato finishing mm. the play 
just the same way that he, the, he did against Boca and with similar uh, players. Similar in, passes in that. They've yeah. done the right hand, right hand channel as well, yeah. So then, we're saying now that Prato is worth the $40 million? Well, $5 million each goal. I mean, spent most of the year, and this was one of the things I want, we wanted to touch on, I mean, spent most of the year struggling under the sort of weight of expectation that came with being Rivers' all-time record signing. Um, Lucas Prato has paid his transfer fee now. And against none other than Boca, where he failed to push in ahead of Palermo as a youngster. Yeah. But also, I, I think it should be mentioned that River always... Um, catch up to Boca in the, in the score always went behind yeah, until, from, until the end coming down three times yeah three in times a, and, and that, men, that mentally it's, amazing, it's yeah. yeah it's mm. uh, kudos to Ashardo to, to create a very mental, mentally strong team I, I thought that this isn't really apropos of anything that's been said apart from possibly touching on, on how Andres described the, the river equaliser um for all of the fuss that was made and for all of the uh, anger that was felt, not least in my own head, um, at the prospect of, of moving the match to another continent, the way in which it actually sort of most affected the game which took place, I thought, was the pitch. Um, it was really interesting to sort of watch the, the first half when, as I said, the, the game the first half hour or so wasn't that good. and. There was a fair few mentions on Twitter, especially from people who are more used to watching European football, about, oh, these guys can't control the ball, every pass is mishit, they're miscontrolling it, they're overhitting stuff. And I thought what was happening, actually, was that it took them a while to, to get the hang of the sort of the way that the pitch was playing. It was much smoother, and it was playing much more quickly than, than the pitches. You know, the Monumental and the Bombonera, unless they're flooded... Have, have Which they generally, usually are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> After <laughs> rain we've got today. 11 months but, of rain consecutively now. But gen- generally speaking, you know, they're, they're not bad pitches. No, yeah. um, but obviously they're not at the same level as the best pitches in the, the best European stadiums mm. and the Bernabeu is one of those. That's um, a different climate overall like Madrid. Yeah. You know, a hard, you know, yes, dry actually, climate. Yeah. Yeah, obviously the lack it's going to move the lack of humidity yeah. and, 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 and that probably affected it as well um, but I just thought that they were sort of struggling to adapt a little bit to that and I thought it was interesting that I mean first of all the timing of Boca's goal I, I wasn't sure that Nandes would have managed to hit that pass quite as sweetly any earlier in the game um, but also both of River's first two goals uh, Prato's goal and Quintero's goal were both really slick moves that they just clearly you know the the level of play there had moved on a mile from what they were managing in the first half, and I, I wonder whether the surface affected that. That's an interesting um, point. I hadn't considered that, but it's possible. Really. Yeah, but in the first half, it was like uh, you have the final, the second of the final, River Boca, the Bernabeu, a lot of players and former players and mm. important people in the, in the stands. Got and Messi in the stands, and <laughs> Messi, but not Cristiano. Messi. It was Griezmann with the Boca T-shirt. Uh, there was right. Simeone, there was uh, well, Jordi Alba because it's Messi's companion, mm-hmm. his uh, teammate. It was, it was yeah, a lot of and yes, the first half I think it, they had to adjust their, their yeah. the, to the pitch themselves the pitch, but not only to to pass the ball, but also to hold. Mm. Sometimes you use you could see that the that it was only, even to hold it was very difficult for them. And yes, I think that that pressure was there. And then in the second half. It was like just more smoother, smoother, and like some said, it was like more fluent at least in the in the. Well, yes, correct. As um, has been said by various members of the Hand of Pod team, both on and off the 
podcast over the last couple of weeks. There was no really um, satisfactory win. There, there, there was no winner of this tie that, we, that we're going to be able to come out of it after everything that's happened without quite a large asterisk next to their name. Um, whoever had won it, was, was there, there were going to be people who, who were going to say, oh, yeah, but it only happened because of this or that or whatever. Um, so, I mean, I, I wanted to... to have a little bit of a conversation about how the Copa Libertadores itself has gone in 2018. Because it's hand of pod editorial policy to state that the Copa Libertadores is the best uh, club football competition in the world. Um, and I think that if there has ever been a Copa Libertadores campaign that has done more to try to undo that opinion, it's been the 2018 version. Yep. Um, On the pitch, it's been just fantastic. Like The actual... The games have been brilliant, like. But yeah. undoubtedly, all of great. the fuss off the great. pitch has. Yeah. has no, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. off no. the pitch, it's been. Uh, it's been an absolute. It's shame. been Carnival and other yeah. players. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and apart, if there weren't enough asterisks, asterisks for Carnival itself, there were another one that it was, it was the naming of the clubs of the teams in the in the in the cup. Uh, oh yes, yeah, yeah, go on. Uh, like Estudiantes instead of Estudiantes and and Boca Junior. Instead of juniors. Oh, I didn't notice the Boca Junior, but um, yeah, there, there was a. Well, they've been there a for years. Right? It's just that no one's ever known. No, because no, they haven't got round far yeah. enough to the point where now, obviously, the river as this year's winners were directly underneath uh, Estudiantes, who won it in two thousand and six. I, 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 last <laughs> episode I said it was twenty oh six, but it was twenty oh nine. 2009. Yeah. Um, and yeah, their, their, their name was misspelt, and it was the first time that this had been picked up on. Um, so, yes. One more. The, the cherry on the top of a very large cake of incompetence um, for Condoval uh, in terms of this year's Libertadores. Um, are River worthy winners then, given you know what happened during the group stage with Suculini playing and nobody noticing for such a long time and then Racing eventually noticing too late to um, to make the appeal and, and be awarded the walkover or whatever. I mean, no, of, I, course, of course they're worthy winners. They beat three of their Clásico rivals. They beat the defending champions. Like, there's no doubt about it. Like, if they won it... They but if there was it. a Brazilian in the room right now, then he would say that both I River and Boca went through a thanks to a big conspiracy. Polish guy, whatever, like... But they're deserving champions. I mean, the thing is, basically, with this edition, it's comfortable. We've been caught in a perfect storm. These are things that could have happened in isolation in any of the previous editions mm. because we know that with such massive movement between clubs, paperwork for players and their suspensions and their injuries, it's always hard to to keep track of. Like, you're talking about, you know, you flagged up the Zuccolini case. We're talking about a... Uh, sending off, I believe he received for Racing, which I basically I can't even remember the game in which he got sent off uh, in 2013. The preliminary round of the Copa Sudamericana. Like, there's no way those kind of records five for five years. I mean, they should they should have. And be looked they at, should have. They should have. Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of very from now on, right? That's the whole point. Well, I'm yeah, talking. it's a learning but, curve. Um, like, they're very exceptional stamp- circumstances. Like, obviously. Everything changes now that all the information in the world is is available at the touch of a button. I'm sure if you look through the 60 previous editions or yeah. 58 previous editions of the Libertadores, you're going to find thousands of players who played while 
supposedly being suspended or ineligible. No, nobody's ever done. It's things that happen, mate. Yeah, I, I think there are administrative errors. I'm not going to say that the whole tournament's tainted. You know, if someone had come along and given Racing a three 0 walkover against River, I wouldn't have complained either. But fuck it, it's a it's a sport. Like you win on the pitch. Yeah, of course. Just carry on and play the game, like, and stop crying. I think that Comeolo um, was a Messi, not Messi, Lionel Messi, but the Messi. Yeah, <laughs> it was a disordered... Uh, in, in, all aspects, storm, in all aspects, and the, 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 independently of the team winning the, the, the Copa Libertadores, it will be suspicious anyway. Uh, but yesterday, last night, it was something happened which I think will help to calm things down. Uh, I mean Brazilian clubs, because Atletico Paranaense won Copa Sudamericana, against Junior so perhaps they are happy now or at least happier than if they were when Santos were eliminated I would count I'm sure sure it's a victory for all of Brazil and of course course, they'll now play River in the Recopa which may or may not be two-legged they haven't yet decided whether it's going to be one match Uh, well Comebon have have sort of tweeted out a sort of semi-confirmation that it's going to be home and away like the Recopa always has been but because of course the Libertadores and the Sudamericana from next year onwards are moving to one-off finals. Although you would have to struggle to remember that this year's Libertadores wasn't a one-off final, if you were looking at the Comebol social media output at least. Um, they are considering moving the Recopa also to a one-off final, which might be in Quata. Hmm. Which actually I wouldn't have as much of a problem with. As somebody who doesn't give a shit about Super Cups, hmm. no yeah. problem at all if you want to send the Super Cup to another yes. continent, as long as you don't do it with the actual Libertadores or the Sudamericana again. The big um, question is Cacharro still suspended for the Recopa? This is actually one of the. <laughs> it, it's, it's one of the fads apparently um, that they are considering when. Um, or, or that might be taken into consideration. Or, or, you know, the River certainly will have to take into consideration if it uh, does, how many matches the Recop is going to be. Because right. it will obviously affect how many yeah. matches he then has to serve in the Libertadores. I'd be sneaks into Depending the, on the dates of those I'd be sneaks into the bench, like, I don't know, disguised as Francesco, like a proper mask or something, and just coaches the game, just screw it. Are, 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 <laughs> yeah. are you going to go to a sunbed and uh, think you're Tono Gallego, for example? It's a good call as well. Yeah. Indeed. Um, River, by the way, for all of that uh, stuff, um, have, in spite of Comebol deciding it wasn't River's fault what happened uh, ahead of the original second leg of the Libertadores final, you know, I I say that because they decided not to award the game to Boca, so presumably they don't think it's River's fault, Uh, they have announced that River are going to have to play the next, is it two home games behind closed doors, uh, in, again... The, the home leg of the of the Recopa plus the first leg of the uh, first Libertadores group match or maybe it's going to be the first two Libertadores group matches if the Recopa's played on neutral mm-hmm. territory um, so we shall see and Gachardo I don't know what his punishment is he, he was obviously banned for both legs of the, the final they just played and then what is it two more matches or three more matches possibly or two more matches I think it was four in total right um, so again <laughs> as I say that is going to be affected by how many matches the Recopa is decided in I hope, by the way, that you can't hear the saxophone in the background. If you can, there's not really anything at all that we can do about it. I just apologise. Until um, I get an air rifle or something, like, just saying it through the window. Yes. We have discussed River, um, who have won their fourth Copa Libertadores. Their first... Here's a little statistic that I tweeted Ooh. out after the final. The first... Uh, Copa Libertadores that River have won without having two Uruguayans on the pitch at the final whistle. 
Well, Rodrigo Mora stayed on the bench for the entire final, oh. so Camilo no, Machado they, was the only one. They had, oh, there they, you go. They had two. It's Cunha, the referee. Ah, very good, Andres. Yes, I see what you did there. <laughs> and um, the Uruguayan on the bench. Yeah, this guy. And unfortunately, our, our saxophone playing friend doesn't have a drum kit with him to give you the. Tish, but yes, Tony has provided it. Um, but we should now, as well as talking about River, also we have to discuss the, the fallout from Boca's point of view. Um, the most immediate of which is uh, that Guillermo Barros Esqueloto, the man who we ourselves are just criticising a few minutes ago, is not going to be continuing in charge of Boca no. Juniors. I don't he, think he would have continued either way, to be honest. No, his, his there is a definite up, whiff of end, of end of cycle, as they like to say here. His contract runs until the 31st of January. Um, there has been a sense for most of the year, really, that Daniel Angelisi has been keeping him on as much as anything, you know, in case he manages to win it. Mm. Um, although Angelisi himself doesn't like him very much and a number of other Boca directors are thought to like him even less. And the fans have been... At least the fans on Twitter have been quite critical. What the atmosphere towards him like has been at the Bombonera, I, obviously we I don't know. From what I've been um, seeing, obviously uh, it was Boca's fan day yesterday, mm. on the 12th of the 12th. <laughs> and uh, I've seen that most of the uh, the anger and the insults have been directed towards the president, Akinichi, yeah. rather than Barisic I don't know if that kind of just implies that Barisic is a puppet and doesn't even bear kind of insulting or whether he's well he is loved by Boca you know a lot of respect for what he did as a player so they're never Indeed, yeah. been too kind of angry you know uh, insulting towards him and I think there's also some recognition that Angelisi was the person who put him in charge and has kept him in charge well, for all this yeah, time that's and he it's, did it's not win, entirely Barros yeah. fault if he's not a good enough manager no. I mean he did win what two two league titles at yeah. Copa Argentina it's, it's not like his um and his reign was a total failure and it has yeah. to be said that after several years in the continental wilderness he got them back into the Libertadores final well I mean, yeah if and they'd it. lost to literally anybody else on the continent <laughs> that would have been a much more acceptable result than, than it actually was right? I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that as a sort of way of sticking the boot in sarcastically I'm, I'm genuinely almost anybody else maybe one of the other grandes in Argentina wouldn't have been an acceptable team yeah. to lose to but you know basically anybody else they could have finished runners up with the Libertadores against one of the Brazilian giants or against Atletico Tucumán half of Boca's own fan base would have probably been celebrating right because they're every Argentine second club at the mm. moment um, yes. it's clear that uh, yeah. if, if we were in Boca his numbers or rather his, his campaigns will have been successful because uh, we, we mentioned uh, Codet and uh, there was a listener uh, asking for Codet as, uh, and mentioning him as a successful coach for Rosario Central mm. And well, Barros Coloto have won two, like you said, two, two local leagues or well, uh, Super Ligas or uh, first division tournaments and uh, Copa Argentina, three titles, which even when they are from Argentina and not uh, international, you have to keep its value. And, uh, as well as winning stuff with Lanús, I can't remember exactly what it was it won with Lanús. Copa Sudamericana, I believe. Was he yes. there for the Sudamericana? I think so, yeah. 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 Um, no, he's not a bad so, coach. He's, no. he's not a top-class coach, but he's not a bad coach. Uh, I, I, he's, it, it's a coach that can uh, take all the juice of the team for the first year or two and then runs out of gas, apparently. They start to, yeah, to because the, the way of playing, or at least the performances, were from great to now not so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first times, and even when, for example, Centurion was there, when he was 
with the problems he apparently now he has not doesn't have any more uh, outside the pitch. Well, uh, he 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 played something you could identify or at least say what he was trying to to play. Now you don't know or you you can't identify. Uh, at least, well, yes, direct balls to the strikers, not having the ball, and the bench with no uh, Almendra and Cardona the other day uh, showed that. Uh, yeah. But yes, apparently he he's not made for long uh, process. Yeah, but maybe maybe also you have to put on the but table. With that criteria as well, you're summing up probably 99.999% of coaches who... You, in Argentina because yes. they're, they're not nobody, they're used to, to nobody to, does yeah. it on process like yeah. Machado, Machado of course yeah. nearly five years is but the difference the difference between yeah. between what happens you, you have to put into consideration what happens in, in Boca and, and River because there are two clear uh, opposite t- uh, side of the table because Boca is actually buying for for sport you know mm-hmm. I, I don't recall uh, a time in, in Boca's recent history mm-hmm. uh, Outside the first time with with micro presidency, that Boca buys so many players in the same position just because to now you have they have three goalkeepers, actually they have three goalkeepers and they don't one, know what to do. I mean, one of whom, as we said a, a week or two ago ahead of the final, was signed Carlos for the Copa Libertadores. Boca legends, fantastic. Um, <laughs> Good, good Twitter account, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that, that happens because they have Paolo Gols, which is which is a competent centre back, and they play they didn't play a lot recently. Um, they have four strikers between Tevez, Sarate. Even if Tevez is one uh, foot and a half in retirement, it's very competent for the Argentinian yeah. league. Two uh, Libertadores winners at fullback, like reserve fullbacks. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, and and and. That kind of harms you because you have a lot of um, options that maybe you don't like because you just get in the players because the, the person wants to buy. Meanwhile, you have River that buys when they want to and they need to buy and and they um, go to try to uh, get the young players to, to, to do something like this guy Palacio that's almost sold to Real Madrid. I mean... There are circumstances that may help you or harm you when you're a coach uh, between what happens in Boca River or any other club in the, in, in the world, actually. So, yeah, obviously we don't know how much um, how much influence Guillermo had day-to-day on Boca's transfers. I yeah. don't think for a second that like, yeah, it feels a like hard-headed a, pragmatist like him it would feels have like wanted, a for example, Tevez back. That was a very kind of... Um, that was okay. playing to the a gallery. A wink towards the, the, the yeah, playing to the gallery. That's exactly. yeah, yeah. I, I, clearly, that's clearly Charlotte has a, a, a stronger voice when it comes to transfer yeah. than, than any other coach in Boca. I think what Boca actually, the, the 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 president, whoever that came to be, it's the the main voice when it comes to to players coming or going. It would seem so, yeah. Uh, so that's the sensation. Yeah. But the question is, if you have that kind of system which is so presidential, so kind of top down, can you get a top coach like I know? This is one reason that people are asking about uh, maybe Boca appointing a director of football again as well. But that's a a conversation I think that we're going to have next week when there's not obviously going to be any Superliga football to talk about. We will go into more, um, obviously, Rivers Club World Cup campaign will will be one um, topic of conversation because they will have played their semi-final by that point and 
How are they going to stop finish crossing. this before Christmas? They're going to play on like, um, the 23rd? Oh, 22nd. 22nd. Oh. We may or may not record a hand of pod immediately after the Club World Cup final. I'll be in Tuckle Bay. We shall see. Um, but hopefully they will at least have a final to look forward to. I mean, I, the reason I say that is I think the final itself, assuming we ever get there, is, is kind of a foregone conclusion. But um, next week we're going to have sort of something to tidy up the loose ends to ask what, what happens next with Barasek Gilotto because we do know that he's not going to have his contract renewed when it runs out on the 31st of this month. Um, what happens next with Gasharda, although we have had a question about that, I believe, so we'll, we'll address it quickly later on. Uh, but for now, we're going to play a little bit of theme music, and when we come back, I'm sorry if it's your first hand of pod and you just wanted to hear about the Libertadores, but we're going to talk about the 15th round of action in the Superliga, which is you the bit that Dan has really like, been we've waiting got, for. Yeah, we've already got the, like, the click on, so in which you river, like, do something else. No, don't, keep listening. It's <laughs> River Place, Place the Superliga. We will not forget that. Come again? Oh, yes. Yeah, they are, Sorry, they are in the I thought you said they had a, a, a match to play still this year. I was thinking, how are they going to fit yes. that in? Anyway, uh, enjoy this music. Again, by some saxophone. Um, as it is I saxophone. That's, that's not saxophone, through, saxophone. As I run through the results from the 13 15. minus 2 is 11 matches that were played oh, in the 15th round, 15th round of Superliga action. I should mention, by the way, before saying this, um, we thought that this was going to be the sort of farewell to the Superliga for the year. We were going to be wrapping up all of our Superliga opinions for the year. There's actually one game being played, yeah. kicking off in 50 minutes' time. Uh, for some reason, Argentinos Juniors against, is it Huracan? Huracan, yeah. It's from um, Round 13, I think. Pardon? It's from Round 13. Yeah, one of the, the delayed ones from... Why the, was that cut off, right? the Storm, I assume. Yeah. Yes. Yeah? Um, Three year, probably. <laughs> so we're going to have to talk about that next week, if we talk about it at all. The good news is I forgot to cancel the Paquete de Football before the weekend because DirecTV's billing month runs out on the 10th of each month mm. so I'm watching it Excellent. tonight. <laughs> I'm paying 345 or 370 pesos however much it costs to watch one match but I'm paying for it it's, so it's, I'm going to watch it. Is it. Isn't it the free match? No. Oh, is it? No, Probably. That'll make my girlfriend really annoyed when she finds out if it is. Um, anyway, San Martín de Tucumán nil, Newell's Old Boys 3 on Friday night. And then on Saturday, uh, the matches went San Lorenzo 1, Estudiantes 1, Unión de Santa Fe nil, Banfield 1, Lanús 2, Tacheres 1. Yes, you heard that right. Defensa Justicia 3, Colón nil, Godoy Cruz 1, Independiente 1. Uh, Boca Juniors versus Atletico Tucumán and Rosario Central versus River Plate were postponed for some reason. Yeah. Can't think what that would be. On Sunday evening, Argentinos Juniors won Aldo CV 2, Gimnasia y Prima La Plata 2, Huracán 2, um, Racing 1, San Martín de San Juan 1, and then on Monday evening, uh, the last game on Monday evening was Belgrano 1, Tigre 2, and the reason I'm reading that one out first is that the other game that was played a couple of hours before ended I hope you're sitting down before you hear this Patronato de la Juventud Católica 3 Vélez Sarsfield 3 
a thriller. Not actually, really sure how that happened. Yeah. I saw snatches of that from the pub as, as I was wandering through to ask for another pint in between playing games of pool. Um, so let's start with that one. Did anybody actually catch it? Yeah, yeah, they did. did. Yeah. Tell us about it. Tell oh my god, it was it was it was crazy because. Being in, from Interreos, you you're supposed to feel embarrassed by the teams of, of football. You you you, you should um, actually feel proud because they represent your 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 province. But I, I was amazed of, of the game. It was, it was Patronato scored after about sixteen seconds. Or yeah, but for some reason the games I watch of Vélez Arfield that usually are on Monday for mm. some cosmic reason, they, they ended up being a. a Entertaining the, the one against Defensa Justicia is the, the one uh, I catch before I went to, to holiday. So, yeah, the, the Patronato was surprised, it was surprised to, to, to watch uh, an offensive Patronato not, not being cautious. Uh, and Belize, it was more of the usual, you know, the, the kind of a Heinze team trying to, to play. I should say Heinze is another guy who's been tentatively linked with the Boca job. Yes, yeah, so although he doesn't. Yes. Claim to be interested, but yeah, he um, he's been mentioned for it. Yeah, but yeah, he was a, a hint kind of badass, you know, the the being trying trying to be quick with the ball and 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 trying to to swarm people into the attack and and rely on on, on the goalkeeper when it comes to defense. So that that's the reason Patronato for for. You know that it's very complicated with in the, trying to get the results to to solve themselves. Yeah. And Belles is just been attacking because. But this, this is the interesting thing because just like last week or, or or the week before, we were talking about how Gabriel Hainsey has turned Belles around. He's got them playing much more positive football. But how also the the big thing that is meaning that they're winning matches instead of drawing and drawing instead of losing this this season compared with last season is that he's sorting the defense out. They're keeping way more clean sheets. And they let in three goals against Patronato. But I've just looked down Patronato's recent results. And prior to this one, the week before, they lost 1-0 away to Newell's. The week before that, they lost 1-0 away to Boca, which, yeah, fair enough, even if it was Boca's reserves. But the week before that was a 3-3 draw at home to San Martín de Tucumán. And the week before that one was a 2-2 draw away to Union. Um, so actually, they are scoring plenty. They're also just conceding too many, uh, which is why they're probably going down. Um, but three goals from three different goal scorers from Patronato's point of view is not something that I think we were any any of us would have expected at the beginning of the season we were talking about how they were going to have to replace Sebastian Ribas who was off to Lanús um, and who indeed is scoring he, he scored I think it was both of Lanús's goals in, in that win over Tacheres um, I don't think I could even name three Patronato players well I'll name you three right now Gabriel Carvajal so you're looking at the, the list yeah of course Mauricio Eperduti <laughs> is there oh. you've heard of him um, yeah. And Agustin Sandona was the scorer of the ah, third Sandone. goal. And you know, you know who's playing Patronato? Pablo Ledesma. <laughs> Pablo Ledesma. Pablo Ledesma. And, and obviously Sebastián. <laughs> Something like that. They're still celebrating that goal. And Sebastián Bertoli, who I believe is still one of the um, uh, sitting on the city council yeah. as well. Yes, yeah. he's the only the only club. politician player in Argentina. Oh, I, yeah. I was just imagining. Oh, Bruno, Bruno yeah. Ribadri is there as well now. Bruno Ribadri. Oh, ex uh, Racing, I think he played at River, four games. Boca. In River, he played five games in River, possibly. Yeah, he the... played in Boca, River, and Racing. It's, that's well, I told you why. <laughs> I, 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 t- I told once why because he's the the, he the son of the nephew yeah. of the next uh, governor of Entrevías. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Sergio. Sergio Ribadri. Uh, you right. got it. You got that one right. I know my poli- yeah, I know my Entre Rios politics, not so much their, their 
Uh, Vélez did not have three different goal scorers. Uh, Nicolás Dominguez scored their first one, and then man of the match, Matías Vargas, scored the other two. About three Yeah, one, one was a beauty. He's on fire. Yeah. yeah. Um, they also had Luis Abraham sent off, so the, the Peru international centre-back. Yes. There, uh, was, there was a Peruvian guy, or I think someone who covers Peruvian football, yes. and asks us for uh, something from Abraham. So, well, you so Brian, if, if you're going to ask this week, uh, he didn't have a particularly good one. He was sent off 13 minutes in. Um, Let's move on to some other matches. Uh, I, could just, I could just see, like, from Libertadores to Patronato Vélez, like, millions of our listeners just signing off like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm well, I, imagine, I particularly uh, like the implication that we've got millions of listeners. I invite many of them to, watch, to, to, to be to Paraná because it's a beautiful city. Not so much watching a game of Patronato, but... I haven't been to Paraná of... Um, been across the water to Santa Fe. No, I, I prefer Paraná. I have Torreana. been through, through the outskirts of Paraná on my way to Iguazú, I think, a couple of years ago. The coach went through Paraná for some reason. I can't. It might have been one of the stops. It was It was one of the stopping services that yeah. stops all sorts of windmill places. Anyway, let's talk about the match immediately before that in the fixture list, which was on Sunday night and ensured that Racing Club um, finished the year with a... Six-point cushion over Defensa Justicia in second place, by the way. Defensa Justicia, who do have a game in hand. Um, but of course they do. Everyone has games in hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Atletico Tucumán also have a game in hand. They're on 28. I think Huracan can but, get um, within five, possibly, if they win tonight. Huracan, if they win... T- oh, I forgot they're playing tonight. Yeah, yeah. They, would, they would go level with Atletico Tucumán. They would still be eight behind Racing. Oh, they still be eight. But they have two games in hand. Tonight. Yeah, they, they, they've got two games in hand over Racing. They've played 13. Yes. Uh, Defensi Justicia and Atletico Tucumán have played 14 Racing have played the full complement of fixtures Dan, what did you make of your club's 1-0 win over lowly San Martín de San Juan? I must admit since this game was late on a Sunday night and I was in Brazil I only listened to it on the radio I did not see it because apparently the bar that was all, all but happy to show uh, Boca River for some reason didn't fancy uh, showing Racing... San Martín de San Juan, which I find absolutely disgusting. But you are a dedicated fan because you, you're just watching on And it was radio. also like with the hour difference in Brazil, it was on at 10.30 at night, so I was a little bit sleepy having been drinking all afternoon through the, through the Boca game. But I stayed in, you know, I managed to keep myself awake to listen to it on the radio. Uh, what I gathered from, from that transmission was that uh, Racing could have won by more. Uh, Lisandro Lopez sprang up again with the only goal of the game, which brings him on to 12, and that also makes him the joint top scorer of Superliga going into the break. I believe that's I safe to say because no Uruguayan players will be overtaking him uh, with 12 goals. I assume that you've seen that goal since. I have, yes, I have. Fantastic header. Yeah, the keeper was a little bit to blame. The, the, the keeper could have been better position, but Luis Ardente the way Lisandro got himself to get his head on it and then. Looped it over him. It yes. was wonderful. It was beautiful. And but I also gather from what I've heard that Racing were a little bit fortunate not to throw it away in the final minutes because yeah. Martin had a couple of very decent chances. Yeah, yeah it was an interesting one because I I sort of I was half watching it or no something more than half but not quite fully. I, I was three quarters watching it, um, and um, I, I sort of. In a league like the Superliga, when you hear the, lead, the league leaders have beaten this team who are struggling against relegation only 1-0 at home, you sort of think, 
oh, they probably couldn't be bothered. It's the end of the year. Racing are already mentally on their holidays and it must have been a bit of a slugfest. Actually, San Martin played pretty well going forward. Yeah, from what um, I've seen and what I've heard. As you said, I think to say that Racing could have scored more is, is fair. San Martin also could have had an equaliser on... There, there was a sort of cluster about five or ten minutes in the second half when San Martin... Second half or first half? First half. When San Martin could have, could have scored a goal and, and sort of thrown the cat among the pigeons. Possession-wise, I mean, Racing had way more of the ball. Um, but by and large, it, it was a somewhat more entertaining match than the club's respective league positions and the scoreline would have led you to believe. Tony, I kind of started talking over you then, so what were you going to say? Yeah, no, I was just talking about the shots. I suppose you were going to mm. the same... Uh, Argument because I'm, I'm just saying that, that San Martins one had 15 shots. There were only four on target, but 15 shots for for Racing, uh, uh, the league leader at their home. You know, I mean, it it should be a little bit like I know if 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 should uh, worry Racing or if a good thing for San Martin to you know getting their, their hopes yeah, a little bit high it's kind of know. a it's a Carlette thing really you know <laughs> you know you're going to have a lot of attempts and goal but you're going to give the odd ones but to yeah. be fair if we can take this opportunity yeah, to, remember, to remember sum the... up what has been you know overall a fantastic start to the season for Racing and, and it's been done sort of under the radar because everyone at least for the last month or so has only been talking about Boca More River maybe, yeah. and Racing have just been churning out the results has been some very good games. Um, one I also didn't get to see uh, was the 3-1 victory against Tacheres on Monday, mm. which I understand was just a very, very good performance as opposed to San Martin, which was more kind of workmanlike, could have won by more, but also ride their luck. Um, no, just a very good start to the season for Racing, a six-point lead at the top of the table, which puts them in... In pretty good stead, I yeah. think, for, uh, for a proper title challenge now. I think we get back and and we'll have 10 games left, right? Plus all the yes. games in hand of the various clubs. I think yeah, River yeah. have four. <laughs> um, and Which the, it'll make it interesting. I don't know when exactly River are going to play these games as well because they'll have the Copa Libertadores group stage. The Recopa. The Recopa. Like, when the hell are they going to play these games? Like, are Racing going to finish? In May and River will just carry on till about July. Well, there's the Super Copa de la Liga or the Super Copa Copa. de la Super Liga or whatever the hell it's called that was just confirmed yesterday, which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes <coughs> um, as well to fit in. So, and we talk about the Copa Argentina. There was another Copa that got yes, finished. well remembered. But so everything it was a pretty everything happened. <laughs> I must say. But before that, uh, what I wanted to say about Racing uh, was that the positive positive thing is that. In other matches in which the rival had a lot of uh, chances, like San Martin and San Juan in this case, they didn't end up winning that game. In this case, they, they did it, so it's good not to play perfect or, or great and win anyway. Yeah, they're the usual wins that make you a champion. You know, they're the kind of game you, you should yes. win whatever you want, or yeah. whichever uh, way you, you, you may do it. It's, it's like the, the usual... Uh, Sometimes you have to win ugly yeah, to yeah. win a title, so that may may be the case. I think the big stat for like what our takeaway uh, from this first half of the season for Racing is that in fourteen, no, in thirteen of the fifteen games they disputed, uh, they led, and mm. I think out of those games there were two free draws 
uh, 11 wins and and a single defeat but that is really good like yeah, that, it is, they it is. kind of took the advantage and, and led kind of on that many occasions and, like, and say that they could yeah. Wins, yeah. in a perfect world you could be looking at a racing team uh, with say 14 wins out of, of 15 which mm. yeah. obviously it's not going to happen but um, I know there was a Racing kind of uh, I don't know if he's a journalist or he's someone that kind of comments a lot on Racing as kind of a big twi- following on Twitter and he came to say that Racing had had a, an awful 2018 which I think is is scandalous like how can you how can you say that like apart from the Copper which was disappointing like they've had an absolutely fantastic 2018 and the team that's Picked up the most points overall, I think by far. Yeah, the calendar year. Yeah, the yeah. calendar year. Um, no, like Calvet and especially um, Diego Melito, who, who took this role as kind of the director of football in charge of transfers, have, have just been a revelation. You can see they're working really well together. Yeah, and, and, and a you, good kind of eighty percent of um, of Racing signings over the course of two thousand and eighteen have been at least a partial success. Um, no, I, like I'm absolutely delighted with how this this year's gone with Racing, and I want to win the league. I'm, like, <laughs> I don't know. I want you know if you look at someone, I don't know, like in the Benyendu went one step further in in the Libertadores, thanks of course to one of these um, commendable decisions which we mentioned earlier, mm. but are also kind of in obscurity in the league. I mean, is that better? Is that what? people would prefer kind of to have beaten River in that game gone out in the quarterfinals and also chucked away four wins in in the league no, yeah. I, th- I think that. I want to I want to win the league I think part of the development that you that you can see at Racing it's the players that are being called up to the Argentinian squad oh completely I, I yeah. think that Rich part Salavia, of that I mean, Matias well Salaccio. you yeah you, you should take into consideration that Scalin is not uh, calling big names, but Saracho, yeah. Sarabia, they're playing, and I think it the, they're not being overlooked. It's it's yeah. like the it's, it's you see the development of yes. Racing and, and how they they, they fit into Argentina plans at least for the Copa America. I think yes. I won't stop so. until Lisandro's back. Man. <laughs> Number nine, center forward in the Copa America. Do, do, you, do you, you prefer Lisandro or Lautaro? Both them together. They were fantastic. <laughs> Uh, Lanus Tacheres was another result that I mentioned and uh, you know well done Lanus uh, Luis Subeldi has come in and, and has started to turn them around um, they're still not as uh, Phil Carney put it to me on Twitter they're still not good just yet but they're not absolutely terrible anymore and there is some hope given that the transfer window is about to start mm. um, and that Subeldi is now going to get a sort of month and a half ish before the final weekend in January when the Superliga reconvenes um, to to run out his players they they fell behind as well now when Bustos gave Tacheres the lead before that Rivas double that I mentioned the first one was a header from a corner and the second one was a header which I can only picture the header I can't picture the situation I think it was from open play um, so well done Lanús um, and Defensa y Justicia it has to be said we should give a big mention to them as well because while Racing have finished the um, year as Superliga leaders Defensa Justicia finished the year as the only Superliga mm. team unbeaten so far this season. Thanks oh, they've been fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Thumping. Mm. Uh, 3-0 win over Colón. I mean, it was... It was like watching the school yeah. bully 
hold his arm on this small short kid's forehead while the fists are flailing while Colon just couldn't lay a hand on them at all do you know um, what the um, the scheduled last fixture of the Superliga is? Racing versus Defensive Justicia. Ah, that should be it. Should be good. Uh, hopefully, all the all the stuff they say about Cavetti doesn't win finals. Imagine if it comes down to that. You, you, I, I really hope that they're within three points of each other. I really. Hope Obviously, that. if that happens, I really hope. Yeah. You should. You should. I hope you're racing a twenty point lead really, But it has to be said as well that Sebastián Bacchese, the Defensive Justicia. Uh, manager is another person who has been mentioned in connection with the Boca job. As I said, we'll take go him, over that. Take in more a Boca, that's, a, that's a very good week. signing. Go on. Perhaps by the time we record next week, a decision will have been made. No, now, Miguel Angel Russo has been mentioned. Mm. Russo? What? Yes. Yeah. The one who has. Uh, yeah, like the old, the old board, board members have agreed that yeah. because it's the, the last coach in which we Boca won the Copa Libertadores, yeah. and they want that. That's the only thing they want, the obsession they have. Because we all know that bringing back yeah. old coaches in Argentine football is a completely foolproof... Always works. Method yeah. for success, yeah. right? It but, never fails. But the strange thing is that, uh, apart from that, is Nicola Gordizzo being, being mentioned as the... I think that's a done deal, right? He's going to be the sporting director. Yeah. The director but uh, the sports director is the one who will decide the coach, apparently. And they are, anyway, mentioning a lot of coaches. That's something. Strange. Yeah, but that happens with Boca. Everyone is mentioned, and everyone's a, it's a possible candidate to, yes. to, the, to the job. I was, I was uh, about to say about the defensive quality against Racing game. I suppose that if there are three points from, from each other, you're going to invite us to, to your living room to, to some matters and facturas to watch that game, I suppose. Or are you, you going to be too nervous to, to handle that? I don't that? know what. <laughs> we'll do hand a pod live if that. So, to go over the standings one more time, uh, because this actually links in, actually, let's go straight to Lister's questions. So, Jamie um, says halfway through the season, predictions for how it's all going to end. Racing champions, Boca resurgent under a new coach, Gachardo to still be at River in May. I think the first one is possibly the easiest one to answer there. I think, yes is the answer to that. He's not going to be going anywhere now, I don't think. No, I think it's been um, confirmed. Yeah. He's, Unless he's, a very interesting offer from perhaps Real Madrid coming yeah. in January. Uh, he's staying as long as Donofrio stays, I think it's safe to say. I mean, you know, Does that end uh, next year? I, th- I believe so, right? At the end of 2021. No, but he's saying when Donofrio leaves as president. Yes, hmm. that is the 2021. End of 20... Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, so... I mean, allegedly, but I mean, there's no danger of him leaving before uh, in in the new year. Is is what I meant. Um, Racing champions, I, I think they have to be favourites. So just to reiterate, Racing are top of the league with 36 points from 15 games. Defensive with DC have 30 from 14 games, and Atlético Tucumán have 28 from 14 games. And by the time you hear this, Huracan might do as well. They're currently on 25 from 13. Obviously, I'll give you the score of Argentinos Huracan um, after the music at the end of this podcast. Um, the saxophone music. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, Belles are out of the running. They've played the same number of games as Racing and are 11 points behind, so I think it's fair to say that they won't be winning it. But Boca have two games in hand and are on 24 points. And as you mentioned, River have got four games in hand um, due to Copa Argentina and Copa Libertadores and one of their matches getting rained off or something or, or concerted off or something and security like issues yes um, and now they're on 19 points from 11 20, games so 31. if obviously it's a torn order but if they were to win all four of their games in hand 
Um, then from 15 matches, that would put River on 31 points, which would still be five behind Racing. Yeah. Um, so I think Racing are in a pretty commanding position. Defensive Justicia look the most likely challengers. Um, and fingers crossed it happens. Uh, Boca, I think, are going to improve. Um, in the league, at least. They, yeah. they, they've they not been that bad in the league, actually, in terms no. of the results. But I think they're going to be coming together. They, they've got a, not only a new manager coming in, but also a transfer window ahead. And as we know, they're one of the few Argentine clubs with any money. Um, are there restrictions on transfers though, this time around? Over the summer, I think there probably are, but I haven't two, looked right? it, to be honest. Usually, I think it's two if you don't have anyone leaving. Right. But as, as we saw during the last transfer window, those rules don't necessarily apply to Boca. No, of course. They were, because they were allowed to sign Orlando. Yeah, because they used the loan out to, to allow people um, to come. So we shall see um, what happens on that front. But yeah, there, there is, it, it is limited. And I wonder, again, this is another topic we'll have to discuss really in more detail next week, but whether that's going to affect the number of outgoings at River. Um, whose squad, having just won the Libertadores, could be decimated. But that's a, term, uh, a conversation for next week. Jamie also says, although it's not strictly Argentine football related, it's not actually Argentine football related. At all. Well, I suppose it is a bit because they've got lots of Argentines, haven't yeah. they? Um, I, I would love to hear how Tony's pilgrimage to Spurs was. So, Tony, tell us about it. Well, in as few words as you can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was amazing because it was the first time I went to the new Wembley Stadium. So. It was so super comfortable. Uh, I did think you were going to the new White Hat Lane. I would love, yeah, 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 yeah. That, 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 was, that, that was the downside, yeah. Um, but I was uh, thrilled because honestly, I was thinking was um, I had two two little times in, in London in the, in between. I went to another cities in Europe, but I was thinking should I go to the games against Chelsea because we may lose, or should I go get to the games against Southampton that we probably win. And I ended up choosing the games against Chelsea, and we won. So I was ecstatic. I was super happy to to go to to a London derby, and it was amazing. Just that you know, being to the to to the, uh, I went to the old Wembley, but never went to the new one. Um, uh, I was just about to ask whether it was whether it was your first time in London. So that sounds like that. No, it, it wasn't. Yeah, I went to to Wembley a couple of times, um, but it was the first time in the new Wembley. It was. I felt uh, overwhelmed about the, the size and, and, and everything, um, and I was just happy that they went to London Derby and won. And how many Argentines did you get to see play? Uh, two. To, to drag this back onto the topic. To yeah, yeah, of course, two. I was actually, it was kind of funny because I was the only one chewing every uh, Juan Foyt action <laughs> like shouting like see sí, Juan vamos Juan dale Juan <laughs> like, like an idiot and everyone was turning around and saying okay you're Argentinian clearly <laughs> where were you in the derby like, yeah. it was Arsenal like, yeah, really he needed you to that, 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 yeah I, I should go but that day I went to, to see Ajax against right. Alden Hack and oh, also I wanted to go and see Ajax when I was there and the tickets sold out against Fucking Willem Tsvay. Everybody was going, you don't need to get tickets in advance. There's no way they'll send out no, the they do. Willem Tsvay. And I turned up and they'd all sold out. And was, oh, this is good. They, they do. They do. And, to Central Amsterdam and, to watch it on the television. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and going again to Argentinians, um, that game, only the, 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 the... When you go to see Ajax, only the, 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 the ultras are singing and mm. everyone else is maybe shouting every once in a while. 
But when Nico Tagliafico scored, everyone went Nico, Nico, Nico. So it was kind of funny, you know, because the only the only, uh, other players that actually from from the, the school of Ajax played and scored, and they didn't get that that cheer that Tagliafico did. So it kind of showed you how Tagliafico won the. The, the, the Ajax fans. I was saying he scored again yesterday, didn't he? Yeah, they just scored a the, the three two goal and the, draw, right? yeah, yeah. Another um, thing, he could be teammate with uh, Sandro Magallan. That's apparently mm, he yeah. would move there. Indeed. Uh, Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, has the other Twitter question for this week. He says it was a great game in Madrid, and as much as I'm delighted that River came out on top, I felt it felt a bit bittersweet given everything that had happened. I would agree with that. Um, he says, how will River fare in the Club World Cup? I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Real Madrid should both win their semi-final matches. I see it kind I of going the other way, to be honest. Like, I think the Luertoares final was such kind of a, an emotional high, such a yeah. big, big thing that this Club World Cup, it almost seems like an afterthought, right? Because usually the Club World Cup is the big prize for South American clubs. Mm. That's why they want the Libertadores so much. This time it's, it's kind of like, ah, uh, yeah, we've kind of yeah, we've already beaten Boca, so... Then you should see how, how really, Machado managed... Maybe that'll play in their favour, maybe they'll just be relaxed, do whatever, like, have it as a bonus and that could play in their favour, but I can't see anyone really getting excited about... No, I'd say no, right no, 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 no. After, after what's happened these last... Four weeks. I mean, although having said that, I I read an interview with Marcelo Gachardo in La Nación the day after um, the final, um, and he said it's going to be a very different at the Club World Cup this year compared with the last time River were in it. Yeah. Obviously, under him as well in 2015 when they won the Libertadores in the middle of the year and then yeah. had a massive drop off in form, as we're used to seeing. Um, or we were used to seeing up until last year yeah. from Copa Libertadores winners well, that, decide, that much okay good. we're now going to spend six months playing for nobody yeah. to get injured so that we can you know go out at the Club World Cup um, he was saying in 2015 won it in the middle of the year and then there was this big drop off and it, it was a real Players struggle there. to get the form back up this time we've just won this we're absolutely flying and we're going to be coming into it with some continuity. Um, so it could go either way, but I mean, ultimately, it's the 21st century. There, there is a reason that one of River's best players is going to Real Madrid after this tournament. Mm. Um, and that's the reason that I think Real Madrid are big favourites, even after yeah. you know what, what they did yesterday in the Champions League. Um, they're, they're still massive favourites. Um, so do you reckon that's what Madrid have been doing since, since May? Just kind of playing not to get people oh, injured knows, and yeah, maybe just focusing on the club world cup. Maybe the pattern has now been re- reversed. The yeah. roles have reversed. I, yeah. I, I descend to, to some. Although I, they didn't do it in either of the last two years. So. Well, you know. Yeah. You, I, I, I think that Real Madrid is really hurt about what's happened. And I don't see Solari being the guy they, they need to, to, to win uh, titles. Uh, the, the question to, to for River, it's... They they will feel like the job is done beating Boca, or they will or they're mentally prepared to to see Real Madrid as another and and, and a uh, punching above their weight and another challenge uh, for them even if Real Madrid is not being the best form in, in of their life. Um, if you ask me, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Real Madrid uh, lose in the semi final. Um, but in if the semi-final, yeah, I did. Chivas, yeah. Okay. Um, Chivas is doing the same thing because the the, the Mexican uh, 
uh, league finals starting today. The uh, America plays against Cruz Azul, and they, they're reserving for the for the Club World Cup. But if if Real Madrid plays against River, I think River are the favorite for for me. I think they're favorite because of a mental continuity and mm. all that kind of stuff. I think Real Madrid really really felt the loss of Ronaldo uh, yeah, in their squad. Yeah, so still, so many. They have players. so many players. I the think, level is so yeah, high. of course. But I think the mentally, I think they're better positioned than than Real Anyway, a little bit of trivia here. Actually, I reckon <laughs> without looking it up, Solari must have been playing. Or at least on the bench, the last time Madrid lost to a South American team in international competition. Which was in the final against Boca, right? In 2000. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, this time only. Will Lightning strike twice? Only this time, (laughs) I think it will be, the Club World Cup will be important for the European club in this case, Real Madrid, because as as they are doing, they aren't doing very well. uh, They need that in order to keep things right, because. Losing against River or even Chivas, Chivas would be even worse. Uh, for the Club World Cup, that would mean to continue with this kind of mm, doubts and, mm. and even when, when Santiago Solari has been confirmed as the manager, mm. for, to permanent manager, not yep. the intern, uh, it will be complicated for them to lose what for them will be to win easily the uh, Club World Cup, uh, like they did in 2015 against San Lorenzo. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they, 14, lost, sorry. they lost again. Just quickly interrupt to say, well done, Dan. I've just looked up the yeah, 2000 yeah. Intercontinental, <laughs> Intercontinental Cup, of course, because the Club World Cup was actually played in 2000 Inter- as well. Yeah. But the Intercontinental I did say International Cup, Final, I didn't yeah. say it. Uh, the Intercontinental Cup, Cup was, uh, Solari was indeed an unused substitute for it. There we go. Yeah. And he's also a guy who came through Rivers youth team and played in River before going mm. first to Atletico Madrid and then to Real Madrid. Yeah. So maybe it'll just hand... And River to like to even things up, and he's fairly good mates with Gachardo as well. Gachardo said the other day they're probably going to have a coffee when they uh, meet up ah, in Abu Dhabi. Tony, I was saying that yeah, well, they're, they're, it's important for Almeri to to keep the loud voices um, keep keep them down that the, the voices of about discontent about Almeri. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost against Cesca. And Cesca is not actually. I don't think it's. Uh, I think it, uh, a game between Patronato and Cesca will be like surprising if, if Cesca win. I'm exaggerating, of course, but uh, you, you get the point. I mean, remember it, it's it's wounded, wounded, and I don't think that winning the 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 Club World Cup it's what they need to feel better with themselves. Uh, it's not what they need, but I think it will be the fact that there's a trophy up there. I just think it's going to focus their minds enough. That they're going to sort of go right. Yeah. Enough of the fannying about. We're in a final because they're going to be in the final. Yeah, probably. Uh, probably. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'll, most I'll most try and watch the semi-final. And I'll be cheering on Chivas, <laughs> but they're probably going to be in the Perhaps final. Perhaps it's not um, only they, they, they lost three 0 against uh, the Russian team, which was the most important defeat in the history of continental competitions, uh, playing home. Uh, but that they lost, they defeat Wesca one 0 with a bail card bail goal and. And the the reports said that the Wesca Wesca deserved the win. Perhaps that's the most uh, important thing for Real Madrid that they are not finding their best uh, performances. And um, uh, it's curious curious for for an Argentinian team, for example, or supporter that you see all the time your team being uh, changed for uh, after every season. Yeah. That they lost only, if I am not wrong, Cristiano Ronaldo. And they are 
far far from that team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but Madrid are a team like I think the fact that they haven't changed players is more of the problem because you could see even last season it was a team on its last legs. They kind of well, they did got to the Champions League. Well in La Liga. No, that's what I'm saying. They got to the Champions League final. I'm not entirely sure how. Like just through sheer bloody mindedness of uh, their players and Zidane. Like, but they certainly weren't the best team in Europe by by any stretch of the imagination. It's a is a squad that needs kind of renovation. Obviously, Uh, it takes time, but. I have just looked up the fixtures and, and the exact days they're playing. So the next time we record, we're going to know what the final lineup is. Um, but uh, because the matches are played, you know, at a sensible time of day, and we'll be able to watch both the semis in fast. Um, but uh, or at least I will working from home. Um, but yeah, uh, it's nice to see that the South Americans at least get to play their semi-final the day before the Europeans do. Because I'm pretty sure the last time River did, and certainly when San Lorenzo were in it the year before that, in 2014, mm. yeah. they had to play the semi-final the day after the European side. So A, you're playing a much, much, much stronger side, and B, you've also got a day less rest. Mm. Um, and it just seemed to me to be handing it to the European sides even more than they already needed to. So now they've reversed that order and Real Madrid play. River's semi is on, on Tuesday, and Real Madrid is 24 hours. But I, I think that Real Madrid needs, needs that because they will play for the, for the Liga for La Liga before going to the to Dubai to yeah. the Emirates. Oh, true, good point, yeah. yeah. Um, and also anyway. you have the rivals because River uh, it's seed against or either the, the local team or the new the Oceanic team or the Asian team yeah, and Real Madrid Alan, is going to have well, the Alan, Alan Wellington earlier today on penalties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be either them or um, I can't remember who they're Al-Lali playing. Al-Lali or something like that. Um, anyway. Alain, yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, Ignacio Coco's former team. Yeah. Oh. Um, anyway. Moving on, we have some more questions as well because Scott Beetleston, who is our newest Patreon um, supporter, thank you very much indeed, Scott. Um, and uh, if you're not a Patreon supporter of Hand of Pod yet, then why not? You can give us money each month, yeah. and in return, we will give you an extra couple of episodes a week, except for this week because I was snowed under with trying to finish the Buenos Aires pub quiz on Sunday night, so I didn't actually manage to record anything. Um, Thank you very much indeed if you are Patreon supporters. This is a good excuse to mention it. Um, Scott became our newest uh, supporter last week and he immediately emailed me these questions. And is I that a privilege them. of being a Patreon supporter? Could they get to email you questions? Yes, you can. You, yeah. you can also do so if you're not a Patreon supporter. Oh, yeah. if, you are, if you are a Patreon supporter... If there's any correlation between this. Then I'll like you more. Um, but I received these questions literally about 30 seconds after we Andres and I stopped recording last week. Um, so we weren't able to, to, to answer them on last week's podcast. So he says, relatively new listener since the start of the season. So welcome, Scott. But absolutely loved the pods, so I'm now listening. I can't believe I only discovered them this year. First time questions with no clue what time you record. So apologies if I've missed it, which as I said, he just about did. But here goes. Four questions from here. First of all, with the joke of a Ballon d'Or yesterday slash last week... With regards to Messi's ranking, what is the perception of Messi in Argentina these days? Is the performance of the national team trophy, is the performance of the national team trophy-wise still eating him down in people's views of him? Is he seen as the god he should be when he returns to the national team for the Copa America? Um, I mean, to answer those quite quickly, uh, obviously because there are four of them, um, there are more questions to come as well from him. The perception was that 
it, it was a joke of an award. My perception was, who cares about individual awards in a team sport? But I appear to be the only person in the world who thinks this. No, I'm, um, I'm in agreement with and, you. And I'm cares? not actually surprised to hear that you're in agreement with me, Dan, because you're also a sensible person. Uh, <laughs> yes, the cynic, sensible person, uh, evil way. The national team's performance, obviously, is the thing that is keeping Messi from being... I got undisputed not so much in Argentina but I think worldwide there are still a lot of people who are like, oh but he's never won the World Cup and it's, really? yeah but that's because I, certain players didn't stick still, the ball in the net in the right match yeah, I still think he, he, he won't play the Copa America you yeah. think? I, I think he's going to yeah I, I, mean, I mean I don't think it's that important for him I mean he, he will ease the, the wounds some, somehow winning something for, for Argentina what is clear is that for once uh we are considering him as the best player and not perhaps they are starting out uh, abroad to yeah. not to consider that abroad it's strange because it's yeah, that yeah. way How it's funny you see so. like, you see like like kind of local observers commentators here who've in many cases kind of thrown shit at Messi for years and years but the second that the Ballon d'Or comes out and Messi's just like He's the greatest. I've always said it. What's a Modric? Like, you can you can chuck your Messi whenever you want, but if someone from Europe does it, no, he is ours and he is the best. Indeed. Uh, number two from Scott is now that we have obviously he's writing this again last week before this got played. Now now with the super, uh, the decision around the Super Clasico, how has that decision gone down in Argentina and South America? Have fans of other clubs lost interest in the whole event? It was a joke all the way through. Um, I don't know, as a neutral, I watched it um, with pretty much the same interest I think I would have had had it been played at the Monumental. Kind of limited, detached interest. Professional because um, I work uh, in Ar- like from Argentine football, making money from it. I was a bit pissed off that this game coincided with my holiday. I thought I, I, thought I timed it perfectly well to to get that game in before going on the beach in Brazil and you know maybe pick up a few extra quid from working from it. But it wasn't to be, so I spent the day drinking beer on the beach and then uh, watched the Boca River game. So it could have been worse. I think everyone watched it with kind of more of a sensation like every other Super Classico you just watch it to see if there are a few goals and a couple of yeah. good red cards yes, going definitely. I mean, they, they, I don't think they lost lost interest in or, or anything no. just you, you watch it with that kind of morbid sensation that there will be goals and the, probably and there will be hopefully uh, some uh, blood right yeah, yeah you, you want to see blood yeah. <laughs> yeah it was up but at the same time playing at the Bernabeu which is of course one of the best or, or iconic stadiums in the world and once it was decided to play there which was polemic and you couldn't understand it you wanted to win it anyway and after you win it you said well you have the Copa Libertadores uh, on your in your side and well yes of course the polemic and the, all, the, all the mess all the disaster and the decisions that come well I think that it won't be any any worse year than this you said that before yeah. for Cormebol and well for, for uh, South American football uh, yes they, 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 I celebrated it anyway of course not uh, perhaps the same way that they, did you go to the Obelisco if one of you no I didn't want to go to McDonald's there because uh, we know that then it's broken and, and they have to repair uh, but uh, yes it is 
uh, it was like a str strange uh, feeling because if it had been uh, monumental, then you can watch it th 30 years after or 15 or 20 and you will watch monumental. Yeah. And now you have to watch it mm. again and you will see Bernabeu and you have to perhaps explain people, younger people, uh, what happened there. Well, and if you had been in the Monumental, you'd have actually been there. Yes. Because you, you had a ticket, didn't you? Yeah, no, I didn't have it. I, I, oh, you didn't get it in the end? No, no. Oh, okay, I sorry. Could, I, I couldn't. Uh, number three from Scott was Independiente's interruption the other night with the fireworks and the Conmebol banner. I could just pass me by. It was, a, it was against Boca because I was in Belgium. Yeah. The, the, the girl that hosts me in Belgium, who is an ex uh, co worker and a friend of mine, it's a Boca fan, so we were, we were watching the game against oh. Independiente. So yeah, I remember that, yeah. He says, What was the meaning behind it? Was it a reaction to the decisions of the past few weeks, them siding with Boca or River, or just a more general message for how terribly Commonwealth have managed the whole competition? It's a uh, bit yeah. about Independiente too, because yeah, I think Independiente was a little bit afraid that Boca won the Copa Libertadores and lost that Rey de Copa, course, yeah. and, and we have done laughing. Yeah, but and, <laughs> so, so for a bit of background, in case for listeners who aren't as familiar with South American football history as, as others, uh, Independiente have the record of Copa um, uh, Libertadores wins uh, with seven, yes. and Boca are on six. So had Boca won at the weekend they would now be the joint all-time most successful club in Libertadores history. I think it's a bit of both. I mean, a bit about laughing to Conmebol and their shenanigans and a little bit about being afraid of Boca winning. I do find it a little bit rich that um, FC Grandona <laughs> are now complaining about the governing bodies when... It's like the, the Champions League semi-final. Was it? The, I think it was during the first of Madrid's three in a row at the moment when they got awarded some hilariously dodgy penalty right at the very end to decide it in Real Madrid's way. And Juventus were going, "Oh, the referees are always yeah. against us." You're like, yeah. you played yeah, for Juventus. Really. What are you talking about? And aside from that, Independiente, a game. I think it was a Sudamericana quarter-final against Defensor Sporting, mm. uh, 2010 or 2011. They threw a stone mm. at the defensor sporting keeper, Martin Silva. Hit him in the head. This was inside the stadium. This wasn't on the bus. This wasn't coming to the stadium. This was inside the stadium. They picked up a piece of concrete, chucked it out of the keeper's head, and knocked him out. And no one talked about, you know, suspending the game, giving River the points, or giving, yeah. giving defensor sporting the points. And Independiente went on to win that. Yeah. So, yeah. Are you really gonna make yourselves out as saints now? Like, it's um, it's not gonna fly. Sorry, like your whole history <laughs> is Grandona and and fixes. Like, yeah. no, don't don't start with that now. Those are the opinions of a Boca fan and a Racing fan as to Independiente. So. <laughs> and Scott's final question, and indeed the final question of this podcast. Um, there is no Mystic Sam, of course, because there are no Super Liga matches. I'm not going to predict Argentinos or Rakan, that's pointless. Don't you? Uh, it will have been played by the time this goes online, so there's no point. Football is a real winner. But Scott, <laughs> indeed. Scott's final question is, is the Gonzalo Martinez transfer confirmed from River to Atlanta? All but, I think, all but. It's yes. definitely They won't confirm anything officially yeah. until after the in, Club World Cup for obvious reasons. In the same way as Ezequiel Palacios' move to Real Madrid isn't yet confirmed. Yeah. But I, I think no, it's going to happen. Like, there's no actual Pity Martinez has, has confirmed himself that he will leave River, right. not... Yeah, really? he's, he's leaving. It's not said who, but, but he gave interviews. We, we have to be careful well. because as an avid MLS watcher, that mm -hmm. it's me. 
um, I think from a perspective of uh, salary cap and everything else, first they have to sell Miguel Almiron. Yeah, well, yeah, so I think it's contingent on that. He's, he's moving to Newcastle. It's it, 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 confirmed? He's, he's the most expensive Paraguayan ever. I don't know whether it's been absolutely confirmed. Yeah, I think that, very, that, very, that very should happen today. first because yeah. for, for anyone that it's listening yeah, that he's, doesn't he's know... He's not going to be a designated player. Yeah, they, they, the, the clubs in the MLS, but, they don't have a, 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 the, the players. It's the MLS as a league, they have the contracts mm-hmm. with the players. So that, that happened to, to, to be absolutely confirmed first. So they have the salary cap. To, to bring another designated player from, from a tie and everything else. And also, I think that Guillermo Barros Esquilota is going to be the next Atlanta United. That would be um, interesting. Peter Martinez and Barros Esquilota. Yeah, that should be fun, second. right? That's I have one more for you, which will be of particular interest to Tony. Okay. Uh, a, tran- a wild transfer I've had today. Juan Quintero to Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, good. Two? Because the, the rumour that I saw on, on uh, Monday was that he might be going to China. And I was thinking, no, no, anywhere but, but a place yeah. that we can't watch him. Like, please go to Spurs. I, I don't, I don't, Spurs I don't or Wolves, Spurs. apparently. Spurs and as Tim Wolves. Vickery says, he's the perfect Tottenham player. Of course, yeah, it is. It is. He's a huge fan and he's also a Tottenham fan. Let me say that it's possible for Guillermo Barros to move to Atlanta United since apparently Jorge Sampaoli will sign his contract to Santos. To Santos. He is, it's confirmed. Yeah, yeah it's confirmed. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Yes. So Santos have confirmed it. After, well, but he, because it was said that uh, Jorge Sampoli has met with the Atlanta United directors for six hours in a meeting, uh, that made you think made you think that he could possibly be the coach, but no. I, I think Santos is a better move for Sampoli, yeah. footballing-wise. But the big difference is that presumably Barros Ecolotto actually speaks some English, because he played in... He played, yeah, I think he has the upper hand in that uh, case. Sampoli yeah. barely speaks Sampoli, Spanish. Uh, yeah, I'm quite surprised if Sampoli speaks any English. It's going to come down to Barros Ecolotto. It's going to come down to Barros Ecolotto. It's going to come down to Barros Ecolotto or Alan Pardew. Okay, <laughs> I think Marcelo Scaletto has, has the upper hand with, with the Manchester United. Yes. Yeah. For once, we're going to back Scaletto might be able to outthink. Yeah. Yes. On that note, um, we're going to say goodbye for now. We will be back next week to review Rivers. I'm guessing quite squeaky bum style semi-final win. I'm going to stick my neck out and say it, um, <laughs> and hopefully. Fingers crossed, be previewing a Real Madrid versus River Plate. No, actually, what am I talking about? I don't like Real Madrid. Hopefully, we'll be previewing Kashima River Plate Adlers. versus Kashima Andres or Chivas. <laughs> well, uh, Club World Cup semi, uh, Club World Cup final. Uh, Saying that, if Kashima Andres can beat Chivas and Real Madrid, mm. yeah, then maybe they yeah, should be the winners, be right? Up, for default, we shall see. Um, anyway, for now, thank you very much indeed for listening to Hand of Pod. Um, we will talk to you again next week. Thanks and goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. From Tony. Thank you. English Dan. Thank you and farewell. And from me, thank you and goodbye. Uh, hello, Huracan versus Argentinos Juniors. Um, we got the teams the wrong way around earlier. Huracan with the home team. Ended nil-nil. We shouldn't have bothered mentioning it at all uh, after all of that. Um, which means that Huracan have failed to take advantage, of course, of one of their games in hand. Uh, it means that the, the standings now, at the end of 2018, I'm pretty sure there are no more Superliga matches left uh, this year. Uh, Racing on 36 points from 15 games, Defensive Justicia um, on 30 points with a game in hand, Atletico Tucumán on 28 points with a game in hand, and Huracan are fourth 
on 26 points, um, also with the game in hand. And then in fifth place is Vélez Southfield, who've played 15 and have got 25 points. Bye for now.